And we are back, and, you know, we, we just finished up the interview with Kenneth Braswell and Thomas, um, you know, launching um, – uh, the new um, campaign and on Soul Pancake and talking about all of that. But I had to bring Kenneth back because there was so much more to say than in that <laughs> 10 minutes that we had. So uh, welcome back, Kenneth Braswell, Executive Director of Fathers, Inc. And uh, my God, you do so much. And I just could not let some parts of this interview go. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. It is uh, my pleasure to be here. Um, Again. (laughs) uh, Recognizing, you know, what it is I'm doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, We have to say that you held the uh, Fatherhood Second Annual Fatherhood Expo on yesterday at Greenbrier Mall, and it was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. You had so many things going on yesterday. Just touch a little bit on what happened on yesterday. You know, this is our second year um, doing that expo, and when we began to think about doing that here in Atlanta, we just began looking around the landscape of events that were taking place in Atlanta around fathers. And so last year, we said, you know, let's do something small at Greenbrier Mall, and we have a partnership with a barbershop, the barbershop. Um, two in mm-hmm. Greenbrier Mall. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, let's bring a few vendors and have a couple of entertainment on the stage. And we started putting that word out. And the next thing you know, we had 70 vendors. We had a stage full of entertainment and dads <laughs> were coming through and families were coming through. And when I got back to the office, they said, are we doing this again next year? I was like, oh, man, that was exhausting. <laughs> and I said, all right, let's, um, let's knock it out again, yeah. you know, next year. Yeah. And so we, 90 vendors, two stages of entertainment, legal clinic. New York Times best-selling children's author Kwame Hi, Alexander, yeah. uh, um, panels, Katie Bow, Teen Form, and all of that was just, you're talking about a brother that's tired right now? <laughs> I can't even begin to think about year three, but oh. I can only just imagine, you know, what the tradition that uh, we are beginning to build um, for dads and their families here in the city of Atlanta. I love it. I love it. While we... You know, we we watch our young black males, you know, on the streets. It's it's so bad right now, robbing and, you know, taking people's cars with the children in it and snatching people and breaking down. I mean, it is just unbelievable. And I was talking to uh, a father upstairs on last week um, and we were talking about that fatherhood piece. And he was saying, although he wasn't with the mother of his daughter, that. His daughter always knew he was there. He took care of her. He spent time with her. And I said, you know, it's unfortunate that some mothers hold those children hostage for child support. Mm-hmm. And um, that the dads that want to be in their kids' lives, well, you know, sometimes they can't afford to pay all of that money. Uh, but they, mm-hmm. the, the spending of the time is so much more worth it sometimes than the money. And I know kids need care. I know that because I was a single mm-hmm. mom. I understand that, really, I do. But mm-hmm. if if my kids' fathers would have stepped up and said, I want to be a part, or stepped up and said, can I be a part, you know, it that would have been all, all worth it for me for two sons, I'll tell you. Yeah, 
you know, there's so much to work on um, than there is to be discouraged mm-hmm. about. And I know, to your point, um, it's hard out there, yep. you know, and it's hard out there for moms. It's hard out there for dads. Absolutely. And, you know, I just decided that I heard a gentleman about two weeks ago, I spoke at a father's event in Gwinnett County, and one of the speakers said that, statistics are not a determinant of what we should be. Mm. And when he said that, I was like, it blew me away. And what God spoke in my system was, you know what? Yeah, Um, quote the statistics, understand the research, um, no evidence-based practices, all that other stuff. But at the end of the day, I'm in control. And if you continue to do what I tell you to do, you know, there'll be a brighter day at the end of this thing. And I truly believe, Mm -hmm. you know, that if we just keep our head down and just keep, you know, trying to build our people and build our communities and do the right thing for our folks to get them out of the conditions that they're in, you know, we can turn this thing around in in 10 to 15 years very quickly, but it's going to take our commitment to do so. And and I think that you're right. It's, it's in a cycle, you know, it's, it's sort of a vicious cycle. Um, you know, parents living in poverty and not having enough raising their kids up that way. And then the kids see what they see, especially on television, on social media, on, on computers, whatever. And they want that. And and then they mm-hmm. feel like they have no hope from where they are. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's just a, it's a vicious cycle right now. And I know that we can do better. Do you remember? And I, I, I was born in the 60s, but that they had so Maybe. much pride about their community, about their children, about they had so much pride about everything, our parents and our grandparents. And it seems right. like it seems like our pride has gone by the wayside for some of us. And I'm not saying all of us, but for some mm-hmm. of us. Yeah. You know, and we I think the issue is for us right now is we still have pride, but it's so hard to tap into. Mm. You know, I think yeah. one of the issues and the obstacles to tapping into our pride right now is just the sheer um, traumatic experiences that we have still not healed yeah. ourselves from yeah. um, as a people in our in the in the communities that you and I are working in and have yes. so much passion about. I heard Bernice King um, the other day on a video I saw where she was speaking at MLK 50, mm-hmm. and she invited her brother Martin onto the stage, and she said, I don't know why I'm getting ready to talk about this, but I just, the Holy Spirit is telling me to talk about this, mm-hmm. and when Martin and came onto the stage, he said, I don't think people understand the trauma that me and my brothers have gone through yeah. as a result of losing our father to an assassin bullet. Mm-hmm. And that was our father. He said, she said, for what all he is to this country and to this world, he was our father. Was our dad. And we lost yeah. our father. Mm-hmm. And we've all dealt with that trauma in very different ways, and we still deal with it today. And when she said that, that struck a chord with me, which is we have not dealt with our Mm. community trauma, our family trauma, and our individual trauma. And I think that is what um, suppresses our pride in a way that we can't tap into it sometimes to get to the strength that we need to do to get back to the resiliency that we know that we are yeah. that we are built from mm-hmm. um, to do what we need to do for our babies. That's that's good stuff. That is good stuff. Um, I also want to tell my audience that you are uh, a children's author, and you have a book that you just wrote, Daddy's Family Tree. 
which is so special. Tell us about that book. You know, um, that book came out of my own life. You know, I was born and raised in New York. Um, I always tell people I'm city in my bones, but country in my soul. Um, So I was one of those kids um, whose mother, you know, on the last day of school, you know, in Brooklyn, New York, put me on a Greyhound bus and shipped me to Pine Tops, North Carolina, Mm. you know, to spend the summer with my uncle on his 200-acre farm, Mm -hmm. you know, producing um, cotton and tobacco and everything that our families did back then. And so for 16 summers, that's what I did. And so I understand the South. But during that time, you know, I didn't have my father in my life. Mm -hmm. I didn't meet him until I was 23 years old. And so when I started writing my books, it actually started as a result of my son, Um, seeing me in Baltimore um, during the indictments for um, the Freddie Gray trial. And he saw me on CNN and asked my wife, you know, what was I doing in Baltimore? And my wife said, "Um, let your dad tell you when he comes home. Mm -hmm. And so when I came home, he was five years old at the time, and he began to start questioning me. And I said, you know, wait a minute, let me get, you know, how kids start hit you with a bunch (laughs) of questions. It's like, wait, 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 you know, let me go back now. Let me get my head right. Right, right. And while I was trying to get right, what I realized is that I had an answer, but I didn't have a five-year-old answer. Mm. And so when I came back out to start talking to him about what he saw, because what he saw on CNN was all of those tanks and all of the police and the Army and yeah. the National Guard and all that stuff, and I said to him um, that, um, do you know when um, I tell you the two um, you can't play your PlayStation and you stomp off into the room and cross your arms. And he says, yeah. I said, that's the level. I said, that is a expression of protest. I mm-hmm. said, what that means is that you didn't like what I told you to do. And so you expressed that by doing that. I said, that's what was going on in Baltimore. I said, they were protesting something that people didn't like. And they wanted to know clearly that they did. They wanted people to know clearly that they didn't like it. And so I wrote the first book. And when I wrote the first book, I thought about we don't have those critical conversations with our children. Right. And so, you know, what I did with him is I didn't talk about um, why was happening. I talked to him about what was happening, mm-hmm. which is they were protesting. He didn't know had to know about Freddie Gray. He didn't have to know about any of those other things. He just had to know the nuances of what protest means. And so the second book I dealt with health. And this third book came out of my life because we also don't talk to our children about family legacy. And so who we are, where we came from, um, the brightest corners of our lives and the darkest corners of our lives. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's amazing for us, and I'm sure you have gone through this at some times, how we find out secrets at the family reunion. Yes. You know, (laughs) when people don't have a few, you know, a few drinks in them. And it slips out, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, you start learning about uncles, you know, Uncle John and, you know, and his and, you know, you start learning those things. And I said, you know, it is important for particularly men and fathers um, to talk to their children about legacy and to right. talk to their children about family um, and to allow them to kind of know that. Um, they have two sides of their families, and when they're not in the lives of their children, they literally cut their children off to half of their heritage mm. um, when they're not around. And I think that, you know, for this work in responsible fatherhood that I do, you know, it is letting these particularly young men, you know, who are having babies understand that it's, you know, 
yeah, taking care of the baby is tremendous. It's a lot of work. It's important. But there's so much more to being a parent that you don't even see and don't understand because you're not around. Absolutely. Absolutely. The latest book is called uh, Daddy's Family Tree. What are the other two books? The other book is um, Daddy, There's a Noise Outside. Daddy's Feeling Blue. Daddy's Feeling Blue. Now, you just kicked off a Drive to Five campaign. Fathers Inc. just kicked this off. So talk about what that is and how people can get involved in this campaign. You know, for for 26 years, I've been um, doing community work, you know, in all areas of work. I've been um, a vice president of an urban league in New York. I've been on the NAACP, YMCA board. You name it, I've been, I've had my hands in it. Mm-hmm. And I think for my entire career, you know, I've always been on the back end of the crisis line for our people, meaning that whenever they had an issue, you're there to catch them, to find solutions, to help them out of their crisis so that they can go further. And about um, a year ago, I just thought to myself, I'm getting too old to um, be on this side of the crisis line. I need to get on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, and what does that mean, getting on the other side? That means getting to our parents, particularly our dads, at the time that they are still connected um, to the mothers of their children and still connected um, to their children. Because what we know by um, through research is that 85% of um, non uh, married parents are still romantically engaged at the birth of their child. Mm. What that says to me is there's an opportunity. There's an opportunity to begin to educate the two of them, particularly him, on early child development, um, on communication skills, um, what it means to be a father, how to be a father, connect them to resources. Because then the research says that at one years old, there's no difference in the connection to children whether you are married or not. However, by five years old, um, non-resident fathers are either have less connection or no connection to their children. So something happens in the two to five years. And so what we've decided to do in the Drive to Five program is really begin to start looking at how do we educate and serve dads in the early years of their children's lives. So by the time their children turns five years old, they are less likely to be disconnected. That is phenomenal. And so, you know, and and two, less likely, yeah, to be disconnected, but maybe they will be more likely to stay with the mother, maybe marry her if they're not married to her, uh, that kind of thing. That that may Absolutely. help build the relationship. Yeah. So that's a whole least, other part of it. If not married, at least still be in a cultural relationship right. where they're both communicating and co-parenting effectively. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with their child. I love that. I love that. Mm-hmm. T- tell people how they can be involved in uh, Fathers Incorporated throughout the year and, and the things that you offer to keep fathers connected and informed. Yeah, and it's so easy to stay in touch with us. You know, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, Fathers Incorporated. Um, our website is www.fathersincorporated.com. Our new website for this campaign is www.drive25.org, where you can sign up to be a partner. And what we're looking for is partners that are in those early learning spaces so that we can come in and where you are doing great work with moms. We want your dads. Uh, We want to help you um, and train you to work with those dads to find solutions and mechanisms to do so. Uh, We're certified in doing that. We have all kinds of training curriculums where we can come in and, and show you 
um, how to get dads um, involved because many agencies get involved in engagement work, but there's a deeper level of work that needs to take place, and that's involvement. Engagement means, um, I always use this scenario, and, and, and women always laugh when I use this scenario. I said, engagement is when I come into the club, I see you, you look nice, I ask you and give you a couple lines, and I ask you for your number, and you give me your number. That's engagement. Mm -hmm. But we want more than that. We want involvement because engagement is not enough. Involvement is, you know, how am I going to treat you? How well am I going to show up in your life? You know, how well am I going to respect you? And the same thing with dads and programs, that engagement is the daddy-daughter dance. Engagement Mm -hmm. is the daddy-donut thing. Those Mm -hmm. things are nice. It gets them engaged. But how do you get them involved? How do you get them to go to parent-teacher conferences? Yes. How do you get them to come to school board meetings? Mm-hmm. How do you get them to volunteer? How do you get them to be mystery readers? How do you get them to be school crossing guards? How do you get them more involved in the lives of their children? Because when men show up in schools, all kinds of things change, Good not things. only for their own mm-hmm. children, but they impact the atmosphere of the school right. when they are present That's in the right. school. Right. And we want to be able to do more of that kind of work um, with dads here in the city of Atlanta. All right. I love it. I love it. Uh, FathersIncorporated.com or DriveTo5.org is where you can go. Uh, Kenneth, thank you so much for joining us and for all you do in the community for all these great dads. Happy Father's Day to you. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you.